Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with Melissa Joan Hart. LL Cool J gave me some great advice. He had all these gold chains and I was like, wow, look at all these diamonds. And he said something to the effect of don't waste your money on something like this. Buy a house. Like he gave me like solid investment advice where I was like, save my money. Got it. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been another busy news week, and we like to review the major stories of the week here on the Black Information Network. Today, we are joined by Black Information Network news anchors Esther Dillard and Doug Davis to discuss this week's major stories. This is the Black Information Network daily podcast, and I'm your host, Ramses Ja. So welcome back to the show, guys. How are you doing? Really good. Doing great. Yeah, yeah. So we got a lot to talk about today. So first up, the gunman in the Buffalo shooting is indicted on terror and hate charges. Um, Esther, let's start with you. Well, in a nutshell, 18-year-old Peyton Gendron has been indicted by a grand jury on 25 counts, including murder, domestic terrorism, as well as a lot of other charges. Um, this, of course, is connected to the mass shooting at Top Supermarket in Buffalo that left 10 Black people dead mm-hmm. and three injured. Uh, the New York Times says this 25-count indictment includes 10 counts of first-degree murder, 10 counts of second-degree murder as hate crimes, Mm -hmm. as well as three counts of attempted murder as a hate crime and a single count of criminal possession of a weapon. So far, at all the past court appearances, he has pled not guilty. Which I find to be quite interesting. (laughs) You know, he live-streamed it, right? And now he has a a no-guilty plea. Uh, New York uh, does not have a death penalty The state terrorism charge may be something that can tell the world that, hey, this is something that you really won't do. It's a very disturbing situation because as the FBI continues to investigate hate crimes, we see just more and more and more Mm -hmm. uh, continuing to escalate. And uh, what do you do about it? That's the big question. Uh, But yeah, when it comes to this guy here, I think this one will be a pretty open, shut case It'll be interesting to see how this thing turns out. But the not guilty plea, uh, I'm still kind of uh, up in the air uh, about why he decided to to plead not guilty. You know, there's something about this that uh, makes me feel like at least it's not worse. Um, I, I it, it may have been a rumor, but I, and I recall coming across something stating that he was only going to be charged with one uh, count. 
despite taking the lives of 10 people. So, you know, misinformation exists out there. And then of course, you know, stories evolve, stories change, you know, you get more information or whatever the case is. But once upon a time and looking at this story, I came across a little tidbit that said he was only going to be charged with one count of, of murder. Um, and so to know that he's actually being indicted on terror charges and hate, hate crime charges and that sort of stuff feels like the full weight of it is, is what people are taking into consideration. So that's, that's not nothing. Now, uh, in that same vein, we're beginning to see nationwide protests over gun control in the wake of the Valde mass shooting. How do you feel about the U.S. Senate taking up this I- issue? Do you believe that will happen? Doug, we'll start with you. Uh, yeah, I do. I believe it'll make it through the House. The Senate is where the big problem is going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and from what I'm hearing, I mean, you know, this again, to me, should be a clear cut thing. This should not have to be a big issue in this country. However, uh, it's not. Republicans are claiming that their constituents, you know, and their citizens would really be against them if they decided to, you know, support gun reform. And I believe from what I've been reading, that's why, you know, they're having so many problems accepting any type of reform. You know, we as citizens of this country, yes, we have a right to bear arms, but does that mean we have, you know, the freedom to purchase a nuclear bomb? <laughs> okay, no. Extreme example, but yes, you get my point. Mm-hmm. You know, so again, it's going to be extremely tough uh, to get anything passed, but AR-15s, these, you know, super high caliber rifles, you know, that's the debate. Do people really need them? Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a freedom that we have. And so reform would just take, for example, a driver's license. You know, everyone's got to drive, so you've got to get a license, but you've got to pass a test. Currently, in some communities, you don't even have to pass a test to get a firearm. Anyone can. And so there's there's a lack of responsibility there. And that responsibility, that lack of responsibility, I believe, has been passed down to the consumer where they feel they have the freedom to do, unfortunately, horrendous crimes that we've been seeing in the news recently over the past couple of weeks. Mm. Well, my take is that and just what I've been looking at the news and as well as reading up, it seems like at least in on the Senate side uh, up on Capitol Hill, there is an attempt to try and hammer out something um, in regard to gun legislation. However, what I've read is that Republican Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina and Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal of Connecticut, they've been talking about details of, of red flag legislation. Now, what that is, is basically laws that say the courts can confiscate firearms belonging to people deemed to be a risk to others or themselves. Now, CBS is reporting that even if the Republicans and Democrats agree on gun laws, it likely will be extremely narrow law, nothing like an assault weapons ban. And what I read, it appears that the lawmakers on Capitol Hill really, really want to hand over this like red flag legislation over to the states and not make it a federal law. And if they do make a federal law, what we probably will see out of Washington is going to be a proposal that's going to focus on establishing federal grants for states to create red flag laws, basically like an incentive. So if you put in a federal, you know, a red flag law, then you get this. So then it kind of incentivizes it, which is sad because it should be where as many, you know, shootings that have happened in the last year alone, there should be 
some talk in terms of making some change on a federal level, but we will see what happens. You know, a lot of people are, are concerned about this. They want this to happen, but as far as something with major teeth, um, removing high powered weapons from being, you know, like a weapons ban, like Canada was, I believe talking about, or may have passed. I don't think it's going to happen on the federal level in the United States. I agree. You know, there's, um, uh, a report that I came across uh, earlier in the week that showed the amount of uh, monies donated by gun lobbyists and the National Rifle Association, that sort of stuff, to um, elect certain officials. Uh, and the biggest name on the list, the, the person who received the most money from uh, gun lobbyists was Ted Cruz. And I believe in third or fifth place was uh, Mitch McConnell. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the, you know, the usual suspects were on that list. And uh, those are the people that are perhaps the most visible and most vocal when it comes to blocking any sort of gun reform from passing the Senate. We we're talking about a lot of senators on this list. And it just goes to show that there's a lot of money there. That it's tied up in ways that a lot of folks wouldn't even conceive of. There's lots of people who look at it and say, well, this is very simple it, to make a point. There's been lots of conversations on the right, you know, right, right, pun, right wing pundits and, and commentators that have had lots to say about, you know, what should be done about school shootings. Right. Um, man traps being one idea, one one entrance, one doorway being another idea um, and on and on. Ballistic blankets that are colorful. You know, they have all these these really uh, creative ideas on how to protect uh, schools better. You know, having an armed uh, uh, officer at, at the school at all times, that sort of thing, which actually was the case in Uvalde, Texas. Um, and that didn't stop the mass shooting. But, you know, these people, you know, uh, put these ideas out as though this is how we're failing our children. And if we do these things, then we can protect our children better. Right. But far be it from them to actually mention that uh, we need to get these guns off of the streets. Right. And one of the things that I've found interesting is that let's say that man traps has been the 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 issue all the the whole time this is how we've been failing our children that doesn't stop someone from walking into a grocery store that doesn't stop someone from walking into a church you know and then so what they're effectually saying is that we need to overhaul the entire infrastructure of the united states of america to accommodate certain people owning assault rifles and they would rather have that conversation than the very simple very obvious one and it's because relatively speaking a little bit of money is keeping a relatively small amount of people in certain positions and those people are blocking us all from being safer and it's the craziest most asinine thing that i've ever encountered but i can say that so i will i agree if i can kind of uh piggyback off that i agree with that totally uh, you know, there have been a number of groups that have tried to do away with super PACs, you know, for that very reason. Because, I mean, think about it. If you've got a lobbyist that's pouring tons of money into a supporter, they're hoping that that money that they turn in will turn around back in their favor. And that's the reason why some think these super PACs are not the American way of doing things because it's like a, it's like a pay to play thing. You know what I'm saying? You know, so I feel like some of these uh, Republicans that get all this money from the NRA, it's a pay to play, man. You got to play it out. I poured 10 million into your campaign 
and you're going to vote against me. Right. And so, but in the end, who loses the people, right? Very few win, but a lot of people lose. I imagine that that has to plague these people. It has to like infect their, their conscience when they, when they sleep at night, you know, it's just gotta be one of those things where it's like 19. Exactly. I've sold my soul to the devil gone and there's nothing I can do about it because I want to get reelected. I want to be, you know, it's, it's the wildest thing. And, you know, they sell everyone out. And, and then, and the crazy part about it is again, right wing uh, media, as I've, as I've seen, they help these folks to spin this narrative that, you know, makes everyone less safe. And there's people who will stand up and be very vocal about it. Now, most people do want gun reform. That That's fair. I think it's 90 plus percent of folks do want universal background checks on uh, the purchase of firearms just to as a starting point. Right. But, um, you know, these folks on, on the right can really as long as they're talking, as long as they're saying anything, ballistic blankets, that's how we're going to keep our children safe. As though, you know, blankets, you can't just move them out of the way and keep, you know, firing. Um, You know, as long as their constituents have something that sounds semi-plausible, semi-functional, then they'll continue to vote against their own interests. They'll continue to cast their vote in favor of the Ted Cruz's and the Mitch McConnell's and so forth, uh, despite their utter failure of not just their constituency, but the whole of the United States of America. So that's something that it's, it makes my stomach turn. And like I said, I can say that. I know you guys are news anchors, um, so you, you tend to be a little bit more uh, centered in your approach, but it's it's very unsettling, deeply unsettling for me because I am a father of a seven year old, and I can't help but have that feeling. You know, when when Sandy Hook happened, my now sixteen year old was in elementary school. You know, I went and got him from school that day, um, and then now the other day with uh, the Uvalde shooting, it's just a troubling time because I think that I'm not alone in saying that everyone who has a child who goes to school kind of has that dark thought that exists somewhere in the corner of their mind. Like, yeah, what, what if this happens to me, you know, or is it a matter of time before this happens to me? You know, I go to a picturesque school and pick up my son every day and that's how all these other schools look. And so these elected representatives are failing us and allowing us to live with those deeply unsettling fears because of money. Huh? Do that? you do you though think that the approach like um, Baltimore mayor, um, the African-American Brandon Scott, he um, he's now suing gun manufacturers. The city is suing gun manufacturers for ghost guns because he's saying that the number of shootings that have happened in his city of Baltimore, Maryland, partially due to all these ghost guns on the street mm-hmm. and People can basically go online, order them, and they come to their house and they put them together. And then they, that's how some of these young kids are getting a hold of guns. And that, this is not an assault rifle, but if that same approach were taken by some of the politicians who want to take a, a harder line to it. I, my point is, is that if cities went after gun manufacturers, regardless of whether they are handguns or AR-15s, mm-hmm then you're hitting them in the pocketbook just as hard as they are, you know, shelling out the money to try and buy off 
what you, you know, you were talking yeah, about yeah. the buy-off of some of these politicians. So if they're hurting as well, then would that even take a bite out of it? Would mm-hmm. that make a deterrent of some sort? That's Absolutely. What I'm um, so there's, we, we mentioned Sandy Hook. I believe it was Remington is the name of a gun company. Remington was sued after Sandy Hook and they had to settle that. And it was a, a million plus, you know, it was in the millions, their settlement. And I think that those types of uh, approaches, hey, look, if we're not going to get our elected officials to do it, we'll get the courts to do something. We're going to come after you some way, somehow. We're going to do something, right? I don't care if it's we're going to stand in the driveways of the people who own shares in the company or the people who run the companies, you know, whatever it is, as long as it's doing something, that's something that I can applaud. You know, everyone has their place. Everyone has their breaking point. And for me, just again, being a father, it's just one of those things where it's, I I, I can't look at the pictures of those children. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't look at the, you know, there was a man whose wife died and he died the next day of a broken heart. Yeah. You know, just imagine that that's the reality. That's a real thing that we human beings have to live with. And the lack of empathy by this handful of Republicans that's keeping the country hostage is just, it blows my mind. So again, anybody doing anything is more than what we have right now. And those are efforts that I'll applaud. So please, if anyone who is an elected representative or a mayor wants to go after a gun manufacturer, you have my full support. In fact, (laughs) we might invite you to come up on the show so we can establish a template so other folks can follow in your footsteps. But I digress. Let's move on. And speaking of mass shootings, there was another one in in Tulsa, Oklahoma at a hospital. Um, Esther, you might know a bit about this one. Well, um, the latest details, I would say, well, what we've got so far is that we know that four people were killed, about 10 others injured. And this is on the campus of St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, authorities say the shooting suspect is dead. Um, CNN reports that this is the 233rd mass shooting in the U.S., according to Gun Violence Archive. That's in 2022. Two firearms, a semi-automatic rifle, a semi-automatic pistol, they were found at the scene. And um, police have said that they know this was not a random shooting, that the police believe that the man went to the hospital looking for some people specifically. But other than that, that is the best I have, the latest I have the information on. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger. Talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out. With BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash B-I-N today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. 
H-E-L-P.com slash B-I-N. Delve into the visceral world of hip-hop with the Gangster Chronicles, a podcast that aims to unravel the intricate tapestry of one of music's most influential and misunderstood subgenres, gangster rap. Hosted by MC8 and Big Steels every Thursday, each episode provides an in-depth exploration into the formative artists, monumental albums, and socio-political factors that have shaped gangster rap from its emergence in the 80s to its enduring impact today. Gangster Chronicles unpacks the evolution of this uniquely American art form. We dive into the socio-cultural aspects that gangster rap boldly addressed, from police brutality to systemic racism, offering listeners a comprehensive understanding of the profound cultural significance this genre holds. Listen to the Gangster Chronicles on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Information Network news anchors Esther Dillard and Doug Davis are here with us discussing this week's major stories. All right, so this headline caught a lot of attention. Kentucky Senate candidate wears noose in ad to highlight history of lynching. Uh, Doug, let's start with you this time. Oh, man, I tell you, I was checking out Roland Martin on his show and uh, he, he had the gentleman on and, and they spoke about it. And uh, this gentleman said, man, this was the hardest thing I had to do was to put this noose around my neck. Uh. But the point he made will probably, you know, last forever, much like Gary Chambers of Louisiana. I'm really feeling these new progressive Southern African-American candidates who are you know, pushing the buttons of voters and their emotions and their advertising techniques uh, hit home to the real folks uh, who live not just in the state, but in the country and the things that, uh, you know, we have to go through every day. And so I I think his his approach is obviously making a lot of noise because, you know, the entire country will soon be talking about this one, man. So uh, interesting here. Uh, 2020 Rand Paul, we know, failed to support the anti-lynching bill, delayed it for more than a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, He said in like an op-ed in the Louisiana uh, Courier Journal that he was concerned that the quote unquote language in the bill might intentionally uh, met out 10 year sentences for minor altercations, you know, and so what can I say? <laughs> he's uh, he's doing his thing. It's going to be a big fight there in Kentucky. It would be really interesting to see again if Gary Chambers and this gentleman can pull this off in the midterms. Get your popcorn out. Mm. Did you watch the ad? I did. It was powerful. My husband and I were talking about that after watching it and just the imagery by itself 
and the connections to Paul, uh, Rand Paul's record, really powerful. I know Rand Paul's campaign manager pretty much told the Louisville Courier Journal, basically he said that it's a misinterpretation of, of facts. Um, but um, when you look back at what Paul said, just like you said, it was clear that, you know, he was just pretty much standing in the way of that law until, of course, we've got the now Emmett Till Anti-Lynching Act that was signed into law by President Joe Biden. I think it was in March. Um, So he supported that anti-lynching law, but it was for a long time that he stood in the way for it. And I, I think it might bite him. You know, later on, we will we'll have to see what happens as far as what Kentuckians and what they think and, you know, how they vote. But it was just a powerful ad and anybody watching it cannot say it wasn't powerful. Booker um, is the first black Kentuckian to be nominated as the Democratic Senate candidate ever. That's a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think he's making a very big point of making sure other people know where he stands um, I can't imagine doing that ad like, you know, cause when you do a commercial of any sort, it's going to take time to do the thing over and over again. And so he had to probably have that around his neck for quite some time doing that, you know, take after take to get that done. So I don't know. I don't know how he did it. No, that's, that's definitely heavy. Moving on this week marks the 101st year anniversary of the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre. Esther, let's start with you. Well, it's been 101 years since Tulsa. Like many of you know, the Tulsa, Oklahoma massacre was when a white mob came into that city, killed around 300 black folks, and then destroyed and burned all the black businesses in that thriving community. Um, Last year, 107-year-old Leslie Benningfield, uh, she's known as Mother Randall, spoke to lawmakers on Capitol Hill. She was calling for the United States to recognize or acknowledge this had happened. And she called for accountability and reparations. She and other survivors apparently were, they joined this year again, and not on Capitol Hill, but in another event called the Black Wall Street Legacy Festival. Um, And they were with a lot of notable names like Senator Cory Booker, Nicole Hannah-Jones, just to name a few. And they were again, calling for reparations, accountability. So with this 100-year anniversary, Biden, President Joe Biden, he visited just to honor those victims uh, and say that his administration is at least offering healing to the community that was that's left behind. On the whitehouse.gov website, they pretty much said that they're putting out an effort to combat racial discrimination in housing, Um, They put in a bold commitment to help get federal contracts to small disadvantaged businesses and help that community grow again to where people are getting more economic opportunity. So I think that at least the administration, you know, the, the White House is trying to make amends in some way, but it's something that I think is not going to go away. You know, they're going to keep doing it every year. And I think it's a good thing because it's bringing attention to a problem that's not just Tulsa. There are many, many other cities that were black cities that are not highlighted as much as Tulsa that had similar situations happen to them. Sure. Sure. Yeah, I agree. I know uh, the last known living survivor uh, received a million dollar donation 
from a uh, philanthropic organization. Uh, and that's great. You know, uh, congratulations to those two wonderful uh, folks uh, that are in their hundreds, you know, to receive this. But um, I think at the end of the day, Black folks, we have a way of turning nothing into something. And so uh, as I look around and see how uh, the Black Wall Street, quote unquote, brand is being used by African-Americans to create opportunities and conversations about establishing generational wealth is a positive thing. I know uh, an event uh, in uh, in Atlanta will be happening soon, the Black Wall Street Expo, where just hundreds and hundreds of black businesses from all across the country, you know, will be coming together to network and sell their wares and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, amen and praise God for there being an opportunity for us uh, to make our communities better. Well, thank you both very much for your insight. Once again, our guests today are Black Information Network news anchors, Esther Dillard and Doug Davis. This has been a production of the Black Information Network. Today's show was produced by Chris Thompson. Have some thoughts you'd like to share? Use the red microphone talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe and download all of our episodes. I am your host, Ramses Ja, on all social media. Join us Monday as we share our news with our voice from our perspective, right here on the Black Information Network Daily Podcast. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the podcast from Hello Sunshine that's guaranteed to light up your day. Like our recent episode with Melissa Joan Hart. LL Cool J gave me some great advice. He had all these gold chains and I was like, wow, look at all these diamonds. And he said something to the effect of don't waste your money on something like this. Buy a house. Like he gave me like solid investment advice where I was like, save my money. Got it. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways you probably haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Questlove, and Kate Blanchett. In recent weeks, I had talked to actor Dan Levy, director Ava DuVernay, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart. And I'm very forgiving, but like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.